Good morning. Welcome to New Life Church. Please stand as we worship this morning. Parts will be on the screen. 
Lord, you have poured out your blessings on our land. You restored the fortunes of Israel. You forgave the guilt of her people. Yes, you covered all the sins. Listen carefully to what the Lord is saying, for he speaks peace to his faithful people. But let them not return to their foolish ways. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him. So our land will be filled with his glory. Unfailing love and truth. Yes, the Lord pours down his blessing. Our land will yield its bountiful harvest. Righteousness goes as a herald before him, preparing the way for his steps. Let us worship together. I had the privilege of leading uh, the youth on Thursday night in some worship, and they took to all the flags that we had. Um, so I'd like to remind you that the flags are not age-specific. Anyone can um, wave them as they see fit. Let's worship.
just had a women's retreat at Stillwood, which I got the wonderful opportunity to be a part of, and it was wonderful to um, talk and listen to uh, speakers and worship together and play games together and eat food together. And um, one of the things that we did was sing this song called Behold Him, and it was kind of our theme song for the weekend. And it's just a wonderful song that we introduced a couple of weeks ago. Um, so those of those women who were at the women's retreat, you have to sing the loudest, and everyone else can listen to them as well.
Good morning. Welcome to New Life Church. My name is Kevin DeWold, and I'll be your host this morning. And yeah, I'd like to ex- extend a special welcome to our guests who are here in person or online. Uh, we're just so glad um, that you are joining us today. And our aim is to help you connect in communities. So if you are a guest, you're invited to fill out a Connect card. If you're in person here in the auditorium, right, the Connect card is available by your seat. And please, yeah, submit it to the info booth in the foyer or in the collection boxes. If you are online this morning, then um, yeah, just, just drop a comment sharing who you are and um, who you're watching with and just connect with us that way. If you do fill out the Connect card and bring it to the info booth in the foyer, um, you will also receive a new life gift bag. All right. You know, I have to admit, I just love the Christmas season. Um, I think it's just the anticipation of everything that happens through this month as we build up. You know, listen to the worship songs this morning, and thank you, worship team, um, for leading us this morning. Um, I, I think, too, I look at the set, uh, the stage decorations, and thank you to the stage decorators who just, just wonderfully decorated our stage. And I think these things, to me, are just, just pointing to the anticipation of celebrating the birth of our Savior. Amen? And I think, too, even that just, um, just points to a further celebration of or anticipation of the gift that we receive when we believe in Jesus Christ. Right? Um, so just all this anticipation, I just, I just love it uh, in here. And um, I think, though, sometimes... You know, in this, in this time of year, sometimes, you know, some other events kind of get lost um, a little bit, right, um, at, at, through this anticipation, through this buildup, and including, I'd like to say, actually, um, happy birthday to my youngest daughter. It's her birthday today. Um, so, happy birthday, sweetie. I love you. Um, I'm not sure she's going to love me after that, but anyway. The other, another event, too, that kind of sometimes get lost in this time of year is one that, as vice chair, I'm vice chair of, of our board of elders here as well, that I want to extend an invitation to you. And it's happening this Wednesday, December 7th, uh, 7 p.m. What is it? It is our New Life Live, right? So what is New Life Live? Um, well, it's just one of our semi-annual meetings that we have uh, through as a congregation that we gather. And you think, okay, well, what's going to happen? Maybe you wonder. Well, let me tell you. First, our own Bernie Heising is going to lead us through the annual financial statements, right? And the financial health of our church. Isn't that right? Right? Who doesn't love numbers, right? But, you know, for those not interested in numbers, I, you know, and, and there may be a few, I realize, that are not that interested in numbers, we still have something for you. Pastor Nathan is going to lead us through an update on our ministries and ministry plans going forward, right? Also, if you have questions for the board, I'd say please send them in to either um, our board chair, Eric Van Egmond, um, or Pastor Nathan, um, or to uh, the office at newlifecrc.ca. Send them in tomorrow, right? Because that gives us then time to kind of um, sort them and compile them and, and, and prepare and discussions and answers uh, for Wednesday. So if you have some, please send them in tomorrow through one of those ways. Also, there's going to be coffee and refreshments, right? A time to socialize and connect with each other. So, I don't know, do we need any more reasons to come out on Wednesday night to New Life Live? I hope not. I hope I see lots of you there. All the information 
and uh, uh, are in just one neat, nice and tidy package as well that you can view on a link through the Encourager, our Newslife newsletter, if you get that, or you can pick up a hard copy um, that's at the info booth after the service. I also know that I speak for all the board members um, when I say that we would love to hear from you. So feel free to reach out to any one of us at any time. And let's go out for a coffee. Just yesterday, I, I went out for a coffee with a member. And it was a great, it was a great conversation we had for an hour and a half. Now, I may have nodded off for 20 minutes, but um, it was still good. Okay, that was a joke. I didn't nod off for 20 minutes. Um, it was great. It was a great time, a great conversation that we had. And if anybody, yeah, wants to reach out to any of us board members, please do that. Uh, I know I speak for all of us. Christmas is a time of giving as well, and we wish to highlight some giving opportunities to new, to new Life Missions partners and missionaries. This year we have published a Missions Give Guide that's available on the New Life website. You can visit newlifecrc.ca um, backslash giveguide for a list of partners and missionaries and suggestions of how you can participate and connect with them. All right. So every Sunday we have a fellowship time here, and this serves two purposes. You can meet someone new and extend to them the peace of Christ. Um, kids can be dismissed without parents missing any of the service. And if you need to bring them down uh, downstairs and come back up, you won't miss anything. So parents, um, you can please bring your three to five-year-old children to Little Lights and Kids. Grades one to five, you can go downstairs to the church store here using the door on my right. And now we are going to start our three-minute fellowship time be sure to say hello to a guest and bless them with an encouraging word.
All right, if you would take a seat. Well, welcome again to New Life Church. So good to see you all. It's amazing how you all come at the same time. We just went out uh, behind the stage for a time of prayer with the worship team, and that was uh, about 10, 8 minutes before the service. And uh, I think there were three people here. So I got a little worried, but uh, this is... uh, much more encouraging. Wonderful. Glad to see you here. And uh, as Kevin mentioned, it's, it's great to have uh, the stage decorated again. Uh, last Monday, uh, we have a, a group that comes here, uh, people who uh, struggle with various disabilities and so on. Probably as many people as are here today uh, come on Monday mornings uh, to worship together here. And um, so I, I spoke at the uh, last Monday morning uh, to this audience, and uh, they had just announced that uh, next week, next Monday, is uh, a, birth, or a, um, a pizza party for Christmas celebration, I guess. And um, so then I got up to speak, and uh, I just wanted to call attention to you know the stage decorations. I think they're just so elegant and festive and so on, and... I just wanted to generate some excitement for, uh, with the audience. What are we doing? Excellent. Okay. Wow, that threw me off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My story. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Monday, I was, uh, I was speaking to the audience, wanted to generate some excitement, and don't clap again. I wanted to generate some excitement, and so I said, hey, look at these decorations. What does it remind you of, right? Thinking, man, they're going to talk about Christmas and all this stuff. They said, pizza party. <laughs> so I think maybe because of the triangles, I don't, I don't know, shape the pizza, I don't know. Anyways. Pastor uh, walked up on stage uh, in his church, and uh, they, had, they, had, um, they had put like a, a great Bethlehem scene on stage. It was, it was complete with the barn and the hay and uh, fake animals and so on, and the manger, of course. And so he walked over to the manger, and uh, probably, I think, uh, to make a point, he was like, um, has anyone seen baby Jesus? He's not in here. And uh, someone, evidently, who had decorated the stage said, Oh, yeah, we haven't unpacked him yet. (laughs) Maybe that's what Advent is for, to unpack Jesus, to take him out of our boxes that we've stored him in all year long. Seems to happen, especially at Christmas time, but actually uh, boxing Jesus in uh, can happen any time throughout the year. It, it happens to the most uh, pious of people. It happened even to King David. 
We're going to take a look at a passage in 2 Samuel in, uh, well, more or less the middle of the Old Testament, in the middle of, certainly in the middle of the story of God's people as God uh, leads them uh, into freedom, into the, into the blessing of the land of Israel. And David is the greatest king of Israel, a man, it is said, after God's own heart. And still, in his everyday life, he falls into the temptation to box God in, to put God in a package, nice and neat, so that he can uh, control God, manage God. It happened in the case of the ark. There was this thing in the temple that the Israelites had uh, called the Ark of the Covenant. It was, ironically, a box. But it represented the presence of God and became a very important box. So important that the Philistines, the uh, arch enemy of the Israelites, noticed that, man, that box has some kind of power. So the Philistines... In, uh, in the middle of a battle, stole that ark. And uh, God used it in a way to uh, remind the Israelites of how they were neglecting God. If you're going to neglect God, then I'm going to leave. However, uh, the Philistines took the ark and it caused them all kinds of trouble. So they thought, we, we got to get this thing back. So they bring it back, and uh, King David is very concerned about it because, of course, uh, without the presence of God, his own kingdom is threatened. King David's rule is threatened if God isn't on their side. And so they bring the ark back, and uh, they put it back in the tabernacle, and things are uh, feeling very good for King David. And so um, David starts thinking, man, how can we make sure that this never happens again? And this is uh, his plan. Second uh, Samuel chapter 7. After the king was settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him, he said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am living in a house of cedar while the ark of God remains in a tent. And Nathan replied to the king, Hey, whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it, for the Lord is with you with you. It's the presence of God that's so important. And so David comes up with this plan to, to build God a place to put him to secure God's presence. It was no doubt an, an act of piety. I mean, David, well, at, at, at best, uh, wanted, wanted a place for God to dwell in that at least matched uh, David's own uh, um, house. And so David says, I'm going to build God a house. But even more so, building a temple guaranteed God's presence for David. If David could build God a house, then David could always hold on and manage God. He would always be there in that temple, boxed in. And then David's reign would be secure. Then David wouldn't have to worry about being conquered or being eliminated as the king. Putting God in a box. Whether for us it's a storage box or whether it's a temple it seems like 
trying to control God for our own sake, for our own security, is a natural inclination. We want to somehow manage God so that it's guaranteed that he's always on our side. It doesn't just happen at Christmas time, of course. Anytime. We can try to package up God. And so we package it up, we call it Christmas, and there God shows up for us. Excellent. Or we package God up, and there he is, shows up at Easter for us. Those big events. Or, or we might box God in, in terms of our own personal devotions, making God simply just a, a private affair. It's just me and Jesus, and then uh, the rest of the way I live my life is up to me, and I manage all of that, control all of that. Uh, but it's just this, you know, nice connection with Jesus, and it's just a private, don't talk about it with me, don't, you know, don't challenge me about it, or whatever, it's just me and Jesus. Makes us feel good. Makes us feel secure. Sometimes we do put God in a box. We call it church. And it's the only time we ex- expect to meet God at church or in church. And throughout the year, throughout our lives, that temptation to box God in, to package him in a way that we can handle so that we can manage God continues. We structure our faith around certain rules, certain regulations, certain teachings in order to determine who's in and who's out. If you don't agree, then you're out. If you agree, you're in. And we raise up these barriers and we box ourselves uh, in along with God. Emily Dixonson, in one of her poems, says this. She says, the soul selects her own society and then shuts the door. We ourselves, we, we gather the people around us that make it safe, and then we don't let anybody else in. We do that with God, too. We box him in with our rules, with this is who my God is, and nobody else can change it. We box God in. We get comfortable. Comfortable with the boundaries we've set, the rules we've set, so that so that nobody else can disturb us. Not even God can disturb us. We've, we've got him boxed in. This is how God behaves. This is what it is for me. And nobody can challenge it. We end up, we end up dismissing God altogether by trying to control him. And then, especially at Christmas, when we spend so much time with that anticipation that Kevin was talking about. And yet we miss Jesus. Some children were putting on a Christmas play. To show the radiance of the Christmas season, the Bethlehem story, the newborn Savior, there was an electric light bulb that was placed, rigged into the manger scene, and uh, the intent was for that bulb to to be lit up, uh, to represent that Jesus is the light of the world. And uh, this was uh, in the context of a a children's pageant, and uh, things were going great. The play was, everybody had their lines down, pat, and so on. And there was a little boy who was controlling the lights for this thing. And at one point, he was supposed to turn off all of the lights except that one light in the manger. 
except he got a little confused, got mixed up with the buttons, and he turned all the lights off. Everything, everything was dark. There was a moment of confusion, and finally one of the little shepherds that was on stage whispered loudly, Hey, you switched off Jesus. And that's what we do. That's what we do in the midst of all of the wrappings and trappings of Christmas when we end up boxing God in just so for our own sake. God wanted to make sure that not only would he be present in Israel, nevertheless, but he also wanted to make sure that that David wouldn't just be able to box God in. And so God comes back through the prophet Nathan to tell David that things are actually a little backwards. Here's what happens. That night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan, just after Nathan had said, oh yeah, David, go ahead, build a house for God, do whatever you want, I'm sure God's with you. That night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan saying this, Go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord says. Are you the one to build me a house to dwell in? And then he explains that and goes on to say, The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. David's not going to build God a house. God's going to build David a house, a house that would last forever. Not a building, but a dynasty. A line of David that would last forever to rule not only over a single nation, but to rule over the whole world in a kingdom of peace. That's the candle that we anticipate, uh, that we've lit this morning in anticipation of that kingdom of peace. If David wanted security for his throne, he got it. But he got it not by securing it, not by boxing God in, but he got it through a promise, a mere promise. That's what we're talking about in these weeks that lead up to Christmas. All about God's promises. We're in this season of Advent. Advent is all about the waiting. And we're waiting on God's promises. We're waiting on God's promise for peace. For David, that meant... that he had nothing but God's faithfulness to hang on to. He had to abide simply in the security of God's promise. Not in the security of him taking control of things. Not in the security of him managing God. Not in the security of making sure uh, by building buildings that, that God would stay on his side. But simply on a promise. And in depending on that promise, David would receive far greater things than he could even imagine. 
A God who committed himself to David and his people forever. Not just for David's lifetime. Not just for David and his son and grandson. But eternally. And not just for a nation. But for a whole world. A God who would establish his kingdom of peace. David was known as the king of war. But God would establish his kingdom of peace. That's his promise. It was a call to faith and trust in that promise for peace that got David's attention. See, if David could have built a temple for God, he wouldn't have had to wait anymore. It would have been done deal. He could just sit back and assume that everything was covered. But now God had promised far greater things. And for David, he would have to wait for that fulfillment. Wait. Trust. Believe in the promise. Just like we're doing in this Advent season. Learning to wait on a promise. And waiting means faith. Waiting for Christ to come into our world as he did 2,000 years ago, to bring peace into this world. We have no way of saying, here he is, or there he is. We can't just grab hold of him. We can't just stuff him in our lives for security, not even just for the Christmas season. We can't guarantee his coming just because we've been good or because we deserve it. No, we receive Christ only in faith, only with a believing heart, depending on what appears to be merely a promise. Now, that doesn't make life easy. It's hard to live by faith. It's hard to live with only a promise to hold on to. David, I suppose, would have had it made if he could have secured God in a box. But now he had a promise. And that was the only thing that he had to hold on to. A grand promise of a kingdom of peace. It doesn't make life easier for us just as it doesn't make it easier for David. It's easier to live within the limits that we make for God. Boxing boxing him in a church, boxing him in rules, boxing him in moral laws, boxing him in pious attitudes. But then we miss the promise. The promise of the king of peace. And we get fighting about who's right and who's wrong, who's in and who's out. In a world filled with war, a world filled with violence, indeed, it can be hard to hold on to that promise of peace. We can easily give up on it and say, well, where is it? Where is it? And yet we have to hold on to that promise. And holding on to it means 
that we have to ask ourselves each day, where are we demonstrating that kingdom of peace that Jesus has brought into the world as He came 2,000 years ago, ruling over this world, ascending into heaven, heaven to sit at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, establishing His kingdom of peace. That promise is still extended to us. How do you demonstrate that in your life? Do you fight to get your own way? Or do you hum humbly submit to God and trust in His promise for peace? It's a hard life to live. It's hard to say, well, why should I give up for the sake of peace? When everybody else is fighting hard for their way, then they're going to get their way. A kingdom of, of peace means submitting to the promise of God. Submitting to God's rule in this world. It means being careful about the words we speak. It means being careful about, about the disagreements and how we disagree. It means being careful about... about uh, what we expect out of life. Do we expect to establish our way? Or do we expect to see Jesus? He who gave up his life. So that we could live in a kingdom of peace. See, when we live with a promise, we live by faith. That's hard. And sometimes that faith gives way to fear in our hearts. Sometimes it gives way to doubt. But doubt and faith go together. Waiting means faith. And as much as it means doubt, the two go together. You can't have faith without doubt or it just isn't faith. It's not trusting. You wonder, is it or isn't it? That's faith. Sometimes it's doubt. You can't wait without wondering if Christ will indeed come to save us. Waiting is like that. David himself said in Psalm 13, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? That's a statement of faith. That's a statement of hanging on to the promise for peace. Or the familiar words of Psalm 22 that David wrote and that Jesus repeated as he hung on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in that moment, Jesus was establishing his kingdom of peace. Words of doubt? Uh -huh. Words of waiting. And Words that reflect the life of faith. Faith in a promise. That's where we are in this time of Advent. Maybe for some of us, more on the doubting side. Maybe for some of us, more on the faith side. But all of us, waiting. Waiting on a promise for peace. Waiting on the promise from God. Waiting for the fulfillment, the complete fulfillment 
of Isaiah's prophecy, of his expectation when he wrote in Isaiah 11, the wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. It's a promise. A promise of peace. And that is how we live. We're still waiting. And as we wait, our eyes of faith, even in the midst of doubt, even in the midst of struggle, even in the midst of a world filled with war, even there, we will see Jesus this Christmas. Let's pray together. God, we're so used to taking control over our own lives and establishing our own preferences and our own lifestyle and our own things. We own a lot, God. We have a lot. So it's hard to give that all up for the sake of trusting in your promise. A promise that we have no control over, God. And we confess that sometimes we struggle so hard to manage your promises and to manage you. God, create in our hearts and in our spirit a sense of surrender, a sense of submission to you in the confidence that you do rule the world. Give us also, God, a sense of hope that that wherever we look and see violence and fear and brokenness and war, give us a sense of hope, God, that you are the God who will establish peace and peace that will last forever. And so as we seek to see Jesus, as we wait in this time, Father, we pray that, we pray that that you will help us to hold on to the promise that we will be content to wait on you and that, that our faith, though the size of a mustard seed, just too small, too weak, will be sufficient yet to hold on to your promise. And so may we live a life of peace. May we live a life that submits to you. May we live a life that that demonstrates the humility that Jesus took to establish his kingdom, his rule. And may we follow hard after you, Lord Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, 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 so,
We began this service with the words from Psalm 85. Let, let, you, let me remind you. It says, I will listen to what God the Lord says. He promises peace to His people, His faithful servants. But let them not turn to folly. Love and faithfulness meet together. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs forth from the earth. And righteousness looks down from heaven. It's the promise of God. The promise of peace. Hold on to that promise. And live in that hope. So may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace.